0: feel like I'm at Universal Studios every time I hear that theme music like I'm in the Jurassic Park ride I'm ready for the dip into the water Um, good morning everyone it's good to be here and worship alongside of you guys question for you what was a time in your life that God called you out of your comfort zone but did something amazing through that experience this morning we're, we're jumping back into our series out of the book of Acts. And uh, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 10 and the account that it provides for us of the Apostle Peter and his encounter with a man by the name of Cornelius. Now there's a lot of space that is given to, uh, given by Luke uh, uh, to this account here in the book of Acts. Uh, And for good reason as well. This account tells of an incredibly important moment in the history of the church and of the story of God that we have seen unfolding throughout the book of Acts. Throughout our time in this series, we have seen God taking the apostles and the disciples of Christ deeper and deeper into this, this unfolding of what the kingdom looks like and deeper and deeper into the plan of God that has been uh, being revealed to them and unfolding through them and ultimately through Him as the Holy Spirit has been opening up hearts and transforming lives. And in this account, we see a continuation of that as we now are going to, to, to witness the full inclusion of the Gentiles or the non-Jewish people into God's plan of salvation through Christ. But in the midst of this, we also see those who are, being invo- who are involved in this account being called to step out of their comfort zones as God calls them to follow Him in ways that may run counter to what they would have thought prior to this or uh, maybe in brand new ways seemingly to them. Now as I mentioned, there's a lot of real estate uh, to cover in this uh, this passage and in, in, in this text and so we're going to look at a good deal of scripture. I invite you if you would like to follow along in a Bible, there's some of those in the seats uh, in front of you, of course, you can always pull up a Bible app on your phone. We're going to have it up here on the screen for the most part as well. But we're going to start off in verse 1 of, uh, of Luke chapter 10, where he tells us this. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So right off the bat, we learn a few important details about this guy, Cornelius, who is one of the main figures within this account that we're looking at. We learn that he lives in uh, Caesarea. Caesarea was a coastal city uh, which was located in the region of Judea. Uh, This city served as kind of the center of Roman administration in this region at the time, and it was mainly Gentile in population. And it also kind of served as a centerpiece of Roman culture. It, It had a temple that was dedicated to Caesar, which is where the city got its name. And because of this, and likely some other factors involving the Roman influence here, the Jewish people, by and large, were not very fond of this city. In fact, one of the commentators I was looking at remarked at how the Jewish people would often speak as though Caesarea was not a part of Judea. Now, being what it was and where it was, Caesarea also had an important military presence. And our text tells us that uh, that Cornelius was a part of this. He was a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment or the Italian cohort. Now, a, a regiment or cohort was generally made up of about 600 soldiers, and each centurion in that regiment had uh, a hundred soldiers under their command, which is why they're called a centurion. Um, and, and you can kind of think of them as what the equivalent of a, a captain in the military might be nowadays. Now, this particular regiment uh, were said to be the very heart of of the Roman military establishment. Some have suggested that this company possibly guarded the governor at the time. These were men in this regiment that occupied a high station and life. They, they it represented some of the, the, the most respected and elite military figures in Rome. And a good portion of this had to do with their heritage because they were true Italians. By birth, They they were they were true Italians. Now, not all of the Roman army was made up of those who were Roman or, or, or had that uh, in, indigenous heritage of those that are in this regiment. Uh, some of the soldiers were con- converted to Roman um, to serving in, in Rome's army just because they would go out, and as they conquered lands, they would give them a choice. And they would say, you can either die right now or you can serve Rome. And some chose the latter. I don't, I, you know, they just... Here's your choice, right? Let me flip a coin, right? Um, so, so I think it's it, it, somewhere around 40% of the army was not made up of those who were you know, in, in indigenous to, uh, to, to Rome or a, a true Italians. So this regiment was made up of, of men that were true Italians and Cornelius is a part of this. And so as a result of that, we see that he is a man of high status and stature. Now, in addition to all of this background that we can kind of learn from different places about Cornelius and and where he served in the the, uh, the, the army, uh, we also learn from the text that he and his family were devout and God-fearing. Now, what does this mean? Well, the term God-fearers appears to have been used to describe Gentiles or non-Jewish people who believed and to some extent followed uh, the the Jewish religion and worshipped Yahweh as their God, but they were not full converts to Judaism, meaning that they may not have abided by all of the food practices or the ritual cleanliness, uh, and and it's possible that they weren't circumcised as well. And so so we're not sure how Cornelius came to, to follow this in his life, but the Judaic influence on his life is significant, and, and, it's, and it's underscored here in the text by um, Luke telling us that Cornelius gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Those were two of the things that really signified somebody who was devout, who was a devout Jew. A fasting would have been the other thing. But, but Luke says, you know, uh, th- that, that this is a part of, of Cornelius' life. Prayer, regular prayer, and, and, and giving almsgiving, or charitable gifts, or gifts of mercy. They were comp- key components in his life. In fact, it, it, he's observing one of those as we find him here in the text. He is uh, involved in the afternoon time of prayer, the Jewish afternoon time of prayer, which would have happened at uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon when we find him here in this account. And it says this, it says, One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, what what else do you say, right? Cornelius stared at him in fear. So Cornelius is praying and God gives him a vision where he distinctly sees an angel there's no mistaking that this is happening right he's he distinctly sees an angel and cornelius is freaked out by this and 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 i think we could say that this is a moment where he might have been drawn a little bit out of his comfort zone right i mean it would do that for any of us i think as well you know it says the text says that he was terrified which is understandable in fact you know, most angel sightings that you see in Scripture, they kind of provoke this. We have this image of cute little babies with wings as angels, right? Or somebody like the Red Bull guy, right? You know, and like that's our picture, right? And we think, oh, well, so cute. Like we wouldn't be scared by that. But you look at Scripture and most people are sore afraid, right? They're terrified, right? And so, uh, you know, so, so that's exactly what's happening here it, with Cornelius is, 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 is he is terrified. But he responds and says, what is it, Lord? The angel answers, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send to Joppa to bring uh, back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Now in response to this vision and this call from God, Cornelius obeys. He obeys what he has heard from this angel and what he has been commanded to do. And the text tells us that he called two of his servants and also a soldier that was under his command, a devout soldier. So uh, it's describing this soldier as kind of being along this, in the same place as Cornelius is. This is somebody who is, who is a, you know, following Judaism, right? And so he tells them everything that has happened and then he sends them to Joppa to go get Peter. Now, down the coast from Caesarea, Peter is staying at a house in Joppa. Peter's likely been there for a, a while. Uh, prior to us encountering him, we looked at how he healed a man by the name of Aeneas in Lydda, and then uh, came to this city as he was called to, to come here, and raised Tabitha back to life. And now as we find him in this account, he is staying at the home of a man named Simon. And, and it's just about lunchtime for Peter. He's hungry, and he's gone up to the roof, and he begins to, to pray while the food is being prepared. And Peter has no idea that as he enters into this time of prayer, his world is about to completely change. It says that as he was praying, he fell into a trance, he saw heaven opened up and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill, and eat. Guys, this is why you don't pray on an empty stomach. Like, I'm just saying. Like, get a sandwich in you, okay? Um, (laughs) So this voice tells him, get up Peter, kill and eat which by the way I think uh, Kirby was hoping to put that on a plaque in his kitchen but Lisa uh, said that wasn't a good idea so thank you Lisa for that wisdom um, so Peter has this crazy vision here of all these different animals and he's told to kill and eat, it's such a weird saying now Peter he's had encounters with angels in the past right, we, I mean they've broken him out of jail before right so and and he has seen god do some pretty incredible things and speak to him in some pretty amazing ways but peter in this moment he's struggling with this vision as it takes place because this vision that he has had here includes a collection of animals that are considered unclean according to jewish law and peter had been raised to observe these laws This is deeply embedded in who he is and all that he has known as someone who was brought up in Judaism. So his response is rooted in this as he says, Surely not, Lord. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven I'm not sure if you've noticed this or not but it seems that there's some significance in Peter's life when something happens three times we think of his denial of Christ and and then Jesus restoring him on the beach with that question three times do you love me do you love me And so the significance here of this happening three times, you know, do not call anything impure that God has made clean, this is likely not lost on Peter. This vision, which clearly takes Peter out of his comfort zone will end up being used by God as a significant point in in Peter understanding and being open to the reality that the kingdom of God extends beyond Israel and is available to all who seek Him. Now I will say this, it's it's not that Peter hasn't had other factors working on him up to this point and pulling him out of his comfort zone as it pertains to this issue. I mean, leading up to this, Peter had traveled to Samaria. As, as Philip had you know, fled Jerusalem and he had, he had witnessed there and shared the gospel with Samaritans and they, they came to believe in Jesus. Now, while it wasn't the same as the Jewish relations with Gentiles, Samaritans were not generally looked upon favorably by Jews. There was hostility there. And so, but, but Peter was there as they came to faith in Christ. And if you continue on there, you, you think about the, the uh, account we looked at a few weeks ago of him raising Tabitha to the, to, from, from the dead. You know, he went in and was, you know, was there with a dead body. That would have made him ritually unclean. And so, but, but he went in and, and, and because God had called him to do that and raised her back to life. And then finally, you know, after all of that, he's been staying in the home of a tanner. I'm not talking about the family from Full House. This is a, this is a tanner that works with, with, with uh, dead animals, okay? This is somebody whose profession it, for, you know, for a living, they're working with dead animals and, 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 and you know, producing hides. And so for a good deal of time, according to Old Testament law, Simon's house and Simon, the one who he's staying with, and, and by proxy, Simon Peter, would have been considered unclean now in most of these instances there are you know peter's ceremonial uncleanliness that which he's protesting about here would have been challenged and he would have been out of his comfort zone as someone who was raised as a devout jew and i would say i i really believe that god used those different experiences as well as many others you know his time spent with jesus was was clearly a a big part of this as well but but he used these experiences as a tools to begin as a tool to begin to open Peter's eyes and shift his understanding and perspective and take him over different thresholds to get him to 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 open up to the revelation of what God was up to in the kingdom of God now back to the text, it says that as Peter was contemplating this vision, the guys sent by Cornelius showed up at the front door. Or actually, they show up at the front gate. Um, Peter is, is there, he's, he's, he's contemplating this vision, he's, he's wondering what in the world does this mean? And the guys that Cornelius sent call out to him, asking if, if, if a guy by the name of Peter is staying there. And while he's thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Notice this. The Holy Spirit says to Peter, there are three men looking for you, and I have sent them. That didn't stand out to me in the text for for quite a while. I've been sitting with this text, honestly, for for about a month now. Chewing on it, and it wasn't until recently that that really popped out. The Holy Spirit says, "I have sent them." See what what's happening here is the Holy Spirit's opening things up. Just as Peter is about to be sent to this Gentile household, these Gentiles have already been sent to him. You know, there's this unfolding of God's plan that is taking place in multiple ways as Gentiles are being sent to Jews and Jews are being sent to Gentiles and all of these these barriers are being uh, uh, seemingly undone. You know, and this perspective is being opened up as to what the kingdom of God really looks like. The text says that Peter went down and said to the man, "I'm, I'm the one that you're looking for, but why have you come? And they tell him, Cornelius, this man who was who, respected by all Jewish people. An angel came to him and to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Now here we are in another moment where we see Peter being pushed out of his comfort zone again. His comfort zone is just, I mean, it, the rug's just being pulled and pulled and pulled. He's just being stretched. You know, Peter grew up With the understanding that the the Jews were set apart. That association with Gentiles wasn't, you know, while it wasn't necessarily defined by Mosaic law as unlawful, it went against Jewish tradition and custom. And this was mostly because Gentiles didn't observe the biblical rules about food. Uh, But it also had to do with other things like the their worship of 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 multiple deities and, and 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 things beyond that as well. And so many Jews look down upon Gentiles because of this. A strict Jew would not have anything to do with a Gentile. Now, gentiles were not blameless in their relationship with jews either they often held jews in contempt and ridiculed them for the very thing that jews viewed as separating them or or setting them apart circumcision the sabbath day rest the worship of one god their abstinence from certain foods their sexual ethics much of this at times would be mocked by gentiles and so for centuries, the Jews and Gentiles had been butting heads and had this hostility, this, this dividing wall of hostility, as Paul talks about it in Ephesians, had, had, was set up in between Jews and Gentiles. Yet through Jesus, a new reality had been ushered in at the cross where there is now one people where Jew and Gentile were being united through Christ and unbeknownst to those that are involved in this account, this dividing wall of hostility had been broken down and that is what Peter is awakening to here. That is what his mind is beginning to be opened up to. His eyes are beginning to see the reality of that which God had done through Christ and is doing through Christ and so while it is taking him way out of his comfort zone this is the place, this is the exact place that Peter needs to be is seeing what God is revealing to him about the kingdom of God verse 23 says then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests this was unthinkable before Jews did not invite Gentiles to be guests in their homes. Gentiles, they would not not go and be a guest in a Gentile's home either. They would not share a meal at a a table together. So this is is unthinkable of welcoming in or being welcomed in by Gentiles. But yet, that's what God is doing here. He's revealing this reality of the kingdom. This new reality of the kingdom that's been made possible by the cross. It says the next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, they arrived in Caesarea, and Cornelius was expecting them and had called together all his relatives and close friends. <laughs> so, so, we're continuing on this journey, and now there's quite a party that is starting to assemble here. This is this, this is quite a a gathering that's coming together. Peter. Uh, the, and the three that were sent by Cornelius, they've been joined by all of these believers, Jewish believers. We can, we can, uh, we can you know, believe that that's the case. Uh, the believers from Joppa. And then Cornelius has called all of his, his relatives and friends together. So it's this big gathering that's going to happen between a lot of Jews and a lot of Gentiles in the home of Cornelius. And again, this is, this is unthinkable. This is unthinkable up to this point. I love this. It says that as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. Here's a man of high status. He's in an elite military regiment. He has a hundred soldiers under his command who who came to him and who obeyed his orders. Yet to a a, a Jewish man of no real societal clout, a former fisherman, now turned follower of Jesus and leader of this band that many within the establishment might have viewed as rebels and troublemakers. To this man, he bows in reverence. But you can just see what Peter is doing and has done, in his, or what God has done in Peter's mind and heart up to this point, because Peter says, Stand up. I'm only a man myself what happened through that vision and, 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 and honestly what had been being opened up long before that and, and continued on after that as well is that Peter was coming to this place and his understanding of what God was doing and, and this revelation of, of the kingdom and its fullness. And as he enters Cornelius' home, he recognizes in this moment that Jew and Gentile are on equal ground. You know, to put it another way, the, the ground at the cross is level, right? He recognizes that in the kingdom of God, the ground is level. And he says, I'm just a man. I'm not to be praised. Only God deserves the praise. I love that we sang not to us earlier. We didn't, didn't plan that. Um, I love that because it's not to, not to us, but to your name be the glory. And that's the heart posture here of Peter say I'm only a man I don't, I don't deserve your reverence I'm the same as you And you and I our reverence goes to God he says and this you know and this, this, this posture this heart posture continues to be communicated by Peter as he goes inside and, and says what would have been obvious to, to many there he says you know you're well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile you know, all of those Gentiles would have been aware, like, we know what, that you're breaking convention here. We know that you're you're going against your revelation, or your uh, regulation to, 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 not going against revelation, because he's definitely going with that. You're going against your regulations to, to be here. We're, we're well aware of that. He's stating what would have been, you know, common knowledge. But then he goes on to say, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or un." Cleaned. again this is mind-blowing to Peter and I'm sure all of those assembled they were blown away by it as well this was not the norm for uh, uh, for for Jews to come into the home of of a Gentile and now to say not just to come in there but then to, to say that we're on equal ground that we don't consider you unclean anymore that that, that, that years and years of that being the the, the mindset has been wiped away and we view you in a different light now because of Christ. And he goes on in verse 34, he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. God has taken Peter out of his comfort zone. And in doing so, he had opened up Peter's eyes more and more to what his intention was for the kingdom, that the kingdom invitation is open to all. And as such, Peter, he begins to to share with those that are assembled, all of these family and friends uh, uh, of Cornelius, he begins to share this gospel sermon. He begins to talk about Jesus and, and, and God's plan of salvation for everyone. And if there's, if there's any question as to whether he believed it was available to all, he says that. Verse 40, uh, 42, he says, All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. He says the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, is available to all who call on his name. And what an amazing transformation that's happened. You know, what an amazing transformation that we see take place here where eyes are being opened up to the thing that God is doing. And, and here's the moment where it really goes down, though. I mean, we, we kind of look at that and we go, oh, that's awesome. But here's the moment where it truly goes down. The text tells us that while Peter is preaching about Jesus, while he's telling everybody that forgiveness comes through Jesus and it's open to everyone, while he's speaking these words, it says the Holy Spirit came down on all who heard the message and they began speaking in tongues and praising God. It is this incredible account and it's just like we saw in Acts chapter 2 a number of weeks ago where the Holy Spirit came down upon the Jews that were assembled from every nation there in Jerusalem at Pentecost. And while Peter Peter was uh, was preaching at that point, we saw the Holy Spirit just explode upon them and they begin speaking in tongues and they they have this amazing experience where the Holy Spirit comes in fullness. And and, and now we see that same thing happen here as the Holy Spirit explodes upon them. Upon these Gentiles assembled here, and into their lives, and they're brought into the kingdom and made followers of Christ. And this moment opens up faith not just to the Israelites, but to the rest of humanity as well. And as such, enables the gospel to truly go to the ends of the earth. What an incredible thing we have that this moment to be thankful for. I have this moment to be thankful for. You know, some of you may have Jewish heritage. And and, and 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 but but I think many of us are are, are of Gentile heritage heritage meaning uh, everyone else right and so we have this moment to be thankful for you know now a few reflection points i I uh, I just want to before we we finish up this morning I want to um, bring us through because there are some things that I think that this passage really um, really kind of can stir up and things that, that maybe are, are helpful for us to think through. First, the question that I asked in the beginning of being pushed out of your comfort zone. You know, when, when was a time that you were pushed out of your comfort zone, but God did something amazing through that? When you're obedient, the Lord will sometimes call you into places that are uncomfortable and that are foreign to you. But there are places that he can be glorified in amazing ways. I mean, this was all new, unmarked territory for Peter and for the other disciples. And it was uncomfortable for them to go against everything that they assumed and were taught and raised up within. You know, we kind of have, we have the benefit of hindsight, you know. And we look back and we go, how did they not get that before? You know, but we're also pronouncing that based on what we can see now. And we do that a lot in life. And that's a lot of we see that a lot right right now. But but we need to be careful of that, okay? Because given that situation, putting us in that situation at that time, with 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 all of the circumstances as they were, we probably would have been in the exact same place as the disciples were. Okay? And so this was uncomfortable for them. You know, they 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 were going against everything that they had been taught. everything that they had assumed and were raised up within but the lord shattered all of that and shattered their expectations and opened up a whole new world and here's the thing no matter how far out of your comfort zone the lord takes you when you are in the center of god's will that is the best place you can be when you're in the center of his will it doesn't matter how far from what you your 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 binky is okay and what your comfort zone your your you know where that that security blanket is okay it doesn't matter how far you are from that if you're in the center of God's will that is the safest and best place that you can be and sometimes the lord will pull you out of your comfort zone and do amazing things in your life as you obey him in that space the second thing that i think that this text can serve as a great reminder of is is that we need to be willing as the Lord calls us to, to take the gospel to those who may be considered by some as outsiders or even hostile to the gospel. Ask this. Who is it in your life that you think about and, and it, it is the furthest person from your mind when it comes to the kingdom of God? You know, when, when it comes to the kingdom of God, that's the, that, that's the person that you think is furthest from the kingdom of God. Who is it that comes to your mind? Because the invitation exists for them to come into the kingdom of God. You know? and, and the gospel needs to be shared in those places. As I was studying this text, I couldn't help but, but kind of look at some of the parallels between this story of Peter and the story of Jonah. Because they're, they both launch in separate directions from the same place. You know, Jonah, he goes to Joppa, because he wants to go away from where God is calling him. He wants to, to go the opposite direction of Nineveh. You know, he, he, and so he goes and he sails the opposite way of Nineveh. He, he went away from those that, that God desired him to go to because they were outsiders in his mind. They were sinful. They were the furthest from his idea of what godly people or people worthy of God's rescue looked like. But Peter, on the other hand, he launches out from Joppa and he goes towards the people that God was calling him to you know someone that in that moment he may have least expected god would send him to and so the question is what direction are you heading with the gospel are you heading away from the the, the direction that god has called you are you heading in the direction that he's go, and to the people that he's called you to go to because sometimes he'll call us to those places and to those people that we least expect but that he's preparing their hearts to receive the good news of Jesus. I'm so thankful that that, that happened in my life because I think that there were probably people, I know there's, there's uh, so probably some in this room who would have looked at me and gone, no way. No way. Not him. Well, my mom might actually have been thinking <laughs> that. <laughs> but praise God that that wasn't the case, Right? And so there, there, are t- you know, there, there are definitely times where God sends us to people that we would, we would never think that he's going to do something in their heart. But by his grace, by his amazing grace, he desires for them to be changed and turned around. And so, so what direction are we heading with the gospel? Are we, are we listening to God as he calls us to, to go to people we may least expect it? And then lastly, and, and, and you know, this is really, I think, the most blatant message that we see here. It's, it's, it's right here on the surface, and, 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 and we've already said it throughout the morning. And that's that the kingdom, the kingdom invitation is open to all. The invitation to God's kingdom is open to all and this, is, this is, should be pretty evident to us now we have the benefit again of hindsight right we, we have read through this passage we've read through scripture right we, we see all this but it, it was a paradigm shift for Peter and he's you know and, and, and he says as much he says I now know and this was a paradigm shift for the other believers as well because if you go on to chapter 11 they're questioning Peter like how did you why why did you do that what you know what happened and then he explains and he said listen the Holy Spirit came if you want to you got an issue with that take it up with him right take it up with the Holy Spirit because I just did what what God was directing me to do you know and, and, and because the belief at that time was that the Messiah was only meant for and salvation was only meant for the Jews that God was revealing to them something bigger was at hand. And that is the reality that we live in, is that the kingdom invitation is open to all. All who come and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's available. I, um, I'm grateful that, that, that this is where we land this morning. Because today we, uh, we're going to come, we have an, an opportunity and an invitation to come to the Lord's table together. And this is a table, you, know, you think of Peter and Cornelius. And Peter welcomes these messengers into this home that he was staying in. And Cornelius, he welcomes Peter. It says that he stayed with them after that that he stayed with Cornelius. He was a guest in Cornelius' home. Pretty incredible. You know, but, but Cornelius welcomed them into his home as well. And when we come together for communion, the Lord's Supper, what we, what we have here is we have a welcome. We have a welcome to the table of the Lord. We have a welcome to a table that's been prepared for us by his body broken at the cross, by his blood poured out for us, he's invited us to take a seat at his table, a table he's prepared for each one of us who have put our faith in Christ. And so if that's you, if, if, if you are in that place where you have, have put your faith in Christ, and you want to receive the, that which he prepared for us and, and, and that, 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 that seat that is open, that invitation is here for you. If, if if you you haven't put your faith in Christ, but in this moment you, you you're going. That's what I want. I never knew that the 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 invitation of the kingdom was open to me, but now I know it. I want to accept that, and I'm not going to RSVP for another time. I'm going to take that invitation right now, right now, and accept that. And I hope that 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 if that's you, that you'll that you'll make that decision and you'll come to put your faith in him and, 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 and surrender your life to him and be obedient to the things that he's calling you into because it is a glorious journey that you get to go on when you follow the king and our risen lord I'm going to invite the, um, the, the worship team up now and here's what we're going to do this morning and do things a little bit different we have elements um, and the team's going to come up and they can start playing while we do this we have elements here and elements in the back so the invitation is here the welcome is here and so we're going to invite you as they play this, this song if you'd like to, to be a part of this and receive communion this morning I'm just going to invite you you can go to the back you can go to the front I will say there's only one tray in the back and there's four of them up here Okay, so, um, so feel free more of you to maybe come forward than, than go to the back but if you'd like to be a, a part of receiving communion, then I would, uh, while we sing this song together, uh, feel free to come and grab the elements and then we'll share that uh, together after we, uh, after we sing this song. Oh,
1: how could it be That my God would welcome me Into this mystery Spread take this wine now the simple may divine for any to receive By mercy. We come to your table by your grace.
0: I was uh I was thinking, you know, it was a little chaotic up here. And it's a little chaotic whenever we're trying to get these things open. But I was thinking of how how much of a picture that is of hospitality. You know, I mean that's uh, at least when you come into our house it is. You live in a construction zone. So it's it's a little chaotic at times. I, I imagine that in that upper room that there was it wasn't completely quiet and structured and as they were lounging around that table with Jesus and he shared the cup and he shared the bread and he said do this in remembrance of me so I think that God you know he's not averse to our messiness and chaos in fact he leaves the door open which maybe that's a picture of what our hospitality should be as well that it doesn't matter how messy our house is or how many wires are coming down from the ceiling. We have an open door, and we invite people in because we have in Jesus one who has an open door as well and says, all who call upon my name are welcome to come. Take a seat at the table. i prepared it for you with my body and with my blood, and it's for you, my beloved to come and eat and drink. Church, I'm going to invite you, as you are ready in your heart, to eat and drink of that which God has given us, and in your hearts to dwell upon the sacrifice that he made, his body broken for us, and his blood poured out for us, his beloved. Let's eat and drink together.